It's time for honest reflection in youth ministry. The present culture is more established than ever. It's so crushing for many a youth pastor. There's a lot to be learned about youth ministry and even more to be shared. Here's to hoping that this helps. Whether you are 19 and have just started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years, we hope that this weekly dose of honesty and humor will help to heal and renew hope for you and yours. Welcome to After Nine, the most honest hour in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After Nine. My name is Chad Higgins. And I'm Zach Working. Zach, how in the world are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, throwing me a curveball this week, man. We had a plan. I guess we'll do that one next week. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes part of having a, a radio show that's pre-recorded means that you can re-record the thing that you were going to do before you release the recording of the re-record. <laughs> you know, switch it around. Keep it lively. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. You know, I mean, it's Zach, we got to stay current, man. That's right. We got to stay on the precipice of what is happening. <laughs> if we're releasing things that we recorded three weeks ago, Chad, then people are going to think that we're three weeks behind the times, which just makes us a really poor Christian music artist, right? Like, <laughs> like if we come on this episode and we talk about Pokemon Go. Right, right. You guys ever heard of Linkin Park? <laughs> There's one guy that's like, what, where's that at? Where, where's that place? <laughs> that's okay. No, I had a great meeting with a youth pastor last week, and we lamented that very thing that most youth pastors seem to be like three trends behind, and sometimes it really stinks more than others. But no, this episode is in no way about Pokemon Go. This episode is really in no way about any other subculture other than the subculture of Christianity. So here at After Nine, we ask the most honest questions in youth ministry. If you serve in youth ministry as a full-time youth pastor part-time, bivocational, volunteer, or just love the youth of your church and serve in some kind of capacity, we hopefully are asking the questions that you've been asking and hopefully give you some answers and some wisdom and insight that would key you into maybe some of the bigger questions and bigger realities of youth ministry. So if you've ever asked things like, am I making a difference? Was that talk any good? Are small groups worth it? Or our question today, Chad, which is an audible because it's a football term and it's the fall season, are all the eyes on me always? And so the question I, I'm, I'm bringing today, I'm bringing this one today because I was so taken aback by my conversation yesterday with my good friend Chad Higgins um, in recent development here in the middle part of September 2016. A prominent Nashville pastor has announced his resignment uh, or maybe retirement, but definitely resignment from his post as a founding pastor, to which I shared with Chad Higgins, and he replied, Who? <laughs> I, had, I had no clue who this guy was. No clue. No clue. And so we'll post links about it in the show notes for today. His but name is Pastor... Uh, Pete, Pete Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. And so what struck me about that was not to heap more things on Pete, but the reality of folks talking as much about his departure or maybe even more so about his departure than his ministry. So the setup today, Chad, and the wisdom that I'm going to invite you to share with our listeners and community today is what do we do in balancing the tension between what seems to be a very public ministry with a also reality of a what is probably a private call or private vocation, right? Like we're living out this thing of serving in ministry to young people, to children, to the church, to worship, to whatever, 
but that call is very personal, maybe even very private. And so the the situation that was earlier this week of the recording, this Sunday, of a pastor who has served faithfully for 14 years at a church, stepping up and saying, hey, everybody, I don't have an exit plan. I'm just here to tell you that I'm not okay, and I'm done, and I'm spent, and I'm run out. And I just, I think about the reality that a lot of people that are serving in ministry live in, where it's Sunday to Sunday, or Sunday to Wednesday, or Wednesday to Wednesday, and all those days that dot their lives in between are unbeknownst to a lot of people. And I think what a, uh, man, what a thing to grapple with to be in this kind of like public sphere of serving people, maybe on a stage or a microphone or in some kind of leadership position, whether it's 15 or 1500, people are watching you, people are listening to you, you're speaking over, speaking into people, but that private struggle with either anxiety or restlessness or exhaustion or depression and knowing what kind of space can I enter into that and be not okay. And so for this is for the heartfelt, for all of those wondering and asking and waiting um, for, for our After Nine People Chat. I think this is at the heart of the thing, right? Like, And I think one of the things that's so fascinating is the ways in which people have responded to this. And so the thing that really moved this from just a Chad and Zach conversation to an After Nine episode is when I shared with Chad what had happened, and he said, who is that? And then what, what did you say? Why are people writing about it? And okay. I think that that is the part that we got to talk about. So we're we're talking online about this thing, and you're like, "Hey, man, what do you think about you know, pa- Pastor Pete Wilson resigning?" And I'm like, "Who? Right? Like, like I thought like this was like a mutual friend of ours that I've like right. I've forgotten about." And then you send me this like relevant magazine like post national about article. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a picture on him. I saw him for the first time. And he just to me he looks like a Abercrombie and Fitch model holding a microphone in this picture. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, that, that, I've seen that guy before. He's the guy uh, outside uh, Abercrombie without a shirt on, it's right? The mall. He's the mall. Yeah, <laughs> he's the guy from the mall. And so, and, and my question is like, why is Relevant Magazine writing about this? Right. What, you know, what, and, what is the national intrigue? Yeah. Right. And then your comment to me was something like, well, you know, this, this is a guy that is, you know, served faithfully. You know, he, there, he's been, there's no like scandals. He's got a great church. And then he just leaves. And in my mind, I'm like, why is this news? Like, I, I don't, I don't get the fact that, I mean, here's a guy who has, Right, he started this church. Am I correct yeah, in saying yeah, that? Yeah, he's the founding pastor of the church. Founding pastor of this church. Years. Served there for fourteen years. Um, I mean, sure, like do you give two weeks and all that kind of stuff? Like, if there's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what like that like uh, is supposed <laughs> to look like. Sure, but it's not like this guy's like fallen out and he, there's this big like moral you know, scandal or anything like that. I mean, he was truthful, right? He talked about how he loved his church. He loves them more now than ever, but he's hurting and, and he, he needs to be out. And like, somehow that is like, like newsworthy for relevant magazine to write about. Like, but here's the, here's the thing, Chad. I think all the things you just said are why it is, it is at least making the circulation because this is the anomaly, right? Like this is someone maybe, maybe and we don't know all the details and we don't want to pry and know until we're supposed to know. But I think this is 
a person who has resigned. This is a minister who has resigned, and there was not an easy explanation of scandal or moving on or changing of the guard or whatever. Like this just feels maybe the most real and the most natural. And maybe it's kind of this awakening of like ministry is really hard. And sometimes folks tap out of doing it because of the thing that they've created it to be or the thing that it's been built around them to be. And I think it's, man, it it is, I think it's a pause for uh, for reflection for us that are a part of this like community of vocationally called folks to really consider what are we called to and in what level is that calling to the public sphere the work of the ministry and then also the call to just be most faithful with our lives and the best way we know how yeah when when i hear this story immediately like it makes me think of how under the spotlight or underneath the magnifying glass so many ministers are right and yeah. here's this guy in memphis that you know may or may not be in the next jc penny sears catalog <laughs> Uh, but, but please tell me you still get cataloged to house for your clothes. Please yeah, tell me that you were like going through lookbooks with Martha, and you're like, "Would I look good in this shirt? I think I'd look good in this shirt." Zach, maybe I am. Maybe I am. You know, I believe it. I believe it. So here's this guy, right? He's he has a, a, a quote unquote mega church or whatever, and so he's in this much larger spotlight. But for many of our listeners who are serving faithfully at you know whatever church you're at. You probably have this, I, I don't know what else to call it for lack of a better word, fame in your sort of little sphere of influence yeah. in your church, right? Where you, you know, are people a public are wanting person, to know, yeah. Yeah, like what you're doing and, and all those kind of things and, and the spotlight's on you. Man, I can remember, you know, when Martha and myself were uh, in the Oklahoma City area serving in a much larger church, a church that... There was no way for me to know everyone, right? We would go to places, and because I was on stage and all those kind of things, everybody knew me, but I didn't know them. Yeah. And so yeah. we would go places, and people want to come up and talk, you know, and it's like, hey, I loved, you know, what you said a few weeks ago and all those kind of things, you know, and you're, it, it's weird as a pastor in that situation to have to go, oh, oh man, thank you so much tell me your name. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, who are you? Yeah. And they're like, Oh, we've, we've gone to that church now for, you know, five years. And you're like, Oh, like that was very weird to me to be, just be very honest, but it was just the, the nature of the beast. And for this guy, he's got all these eyes on him. And, and for our listeners, like you have eyes on you and there's a lot of pressure on that. And I think that the reason that this is like, like you were talking about this anomaly because this guy's different that he he just quit. I, I honestly I think he's he's probably much more normal sure. than <laughs> most people. The would anomaly consider. is the normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But things that like make news headlines, right? Like we we want the scandal. I'm sure. I'm almost positive when people heard about this, their first question wasn't, "Man, I, I hope this guy's okay. Like, I hope he heals. I hope he comes back to the ministry." It was probably like, "Oh, I wonder if something else happened." 
Yeah. You know what I mean? What's like the cover up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the cover up? And like, oh, that's like gross and disgusting that even in the church world, like that's where our minds go. Because I think that that's where our news outlets have like turned our mind to, right? That we automatically, we assume there's more, we assume there's hidden. Um, it's like, okay, it's like this. Um, you don't know, like Halloween's coming up, right? Right, right. And you know how like kids go trick-or-treating and all that kind of stuff, and then like parents freak out and they check all their candy and they – there are even hospitals that open up that you can run candy through the like right, x-ray right, machine and all that kind of stuff yeah. for like razor blades. <laughs> like the reality of it is this. There has never been a case from a stranger giving a child anything like that in the history of the United States. There have been cases where mothers and fathers have tried to like hurt their children, but never a series of Halloween candy being like tampered like that. Yet we've, we've grown to um, believe that there's this like horrible thing happening. And so we run our candy through the x-ray machine in the same way. Like we grab onto these like, stories we think of the worst because like our we we watch the news or we read articles of like a few pastors making horrible decisions and stepping down from their churches and then we assume that like everyone that steps down from their church that's the way they do it yeah is is in that same bill right and and i think that that jades our view of the normality of what's happening Right. Well, and I think, so we'll come back after the break, but I think that hunger for the culture of distrust versus the culture of trust is the wisdom we want to impart to our listeners today. So if you are serving in any kind of capacity that there are eyes on you, whether that's your small group, your ministry, or your church, come back after the break and share with us, listen with us as we talk about culture of trust and culture of distrust. Calling all After 9 listeners. Zach and Chad are incredibly thankful for your patronage and encouragement. We want to ask for your support. You can help make After 9 even better. Please consider contributing monthly to growing After 9's reach and resources by visiting our Patreon page. Go to www.patreon.com slash After 9 to become a supporter. You can also visit www.after9ministry.com support to learn more. We appreciate your ongoing encouragement, prayers, and support. Hey, welcome back to After 9. My name is Zach Workin. And I'm Chad Higgins. And we are so excited to pick up the second half of our conversation today about what it means to consider if people are watching you. And the answer is probably yes to that. Uh, But Chad, I think the thing that we really want to kind of like hone in on for the second half of our episode here today is what does it look like to build a culture of trust or a community of trust or support network or accountability or whatever phrase is most comfortable to you. But I think there is a real concern for, for pastors and ministers to have some kind of safe place to share. If you are in a ministry leadership position, it is probably unlikely that you feel safe enough to share with those that you are shepherding and pastoring because most folks want to watch people in leadership either do great things or do terrible things. And as painful as that is, we've got to find folks that 
uh, will listen to us and that we respect enough that we can share openly and honestly with. And there are people that are probably not inside that same sphere of influence. Like I think about, Chad, our friendship and the ways in which we were both serving in a similar kind of way. Uh, we were both serving a, 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 a people group that had a lot of the same questions and issues. We were both kind of in a similar life stage. And yet there was enough non-overlap. There was enough distance between what we were doing that I've always been able to feel like I can share with what's really going on. And maybe we could talk a little bit about like how do you find those relationships? How do you cultivate right. those relationships? And how do you begin to really open and share in a way that creates a kind of, of trust and support um, so that you can have these honest conversations and not feel like it's all or nothing when it comes to what you're doing in ministry? No, dude, I think that, that it's dead on, Zach. And, and I think that when we talk about the spotlights or microscopes on us as ministers – and all of our people in our congregation or community looking at us, if we don't have these people that we can turn to and talk about like really what's going on in our heart, then we do one of two things. One, we either um, try to like pull away from those people, right? Like, hey, just don't damage me and I'm going to build these walls. And I honestly, I think it's why many senior pastors, youth ministers, leaders in the church find it very difficult to form like deep relationships with many of their people in their congregations uh, past this like role of being a minister, right? Like I'm your pastor, you're a part of the church and I may love you, care for you, be with you, but I'm, I'm not going to open up my struggles. Right. And there's that area of like, Hey, where's that boundary at anyways? But then I think that we have to, we have to pit people around us that are like-minded. Yeah. Um, and that want this too, right? That it's not this one-sided thing where it's like, hey, um, I need to meet with you once, a, you know, every month or so, and then I'm just going to like <laughs> word vomit all of my like emotions <laughs> onto you. Yeah. Um, and then, hey, just deal with that, right? Where that other person's like deer in the headlines, like, hey, I'll pray for you kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and so I think finding... Yeah. Finding those people that love you and care for you is is vastly important. But then on the same page, right? Like I, I'm some of my greatest friends um are wonderful guys. Uh, but they've never been in youth ministry, right? Yeah. They've never been ministers. Like they're phenomenal lawyers and all that kind of deal. Um, but when you go to them and go, hey, like, hey, here here's what's going on, like they're here's why my job is hard. <laughs> Right. You know, and for them, like their view of ministry is still like, well, I've seen my pastor speak on Sunday morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? 20 minutes for a full-time gig. That's pretty, that's pretty good pay, I guess, <laughs> right? 20 minute sermon for a full-time job. Okay. All right. I'm in. Um, but, uh, so I think, I think finding people that are like-minded in the same type of thing are, is, is so important, right? right? Yeah. No, Chad, and you're so right, like, because you've got to have people that have both understanding of what you're doing, but also that willingness to open up. And I think that is something you cannot manufacture. That is something you cannot fabricate. Like, if, if folks don't want to be open with you, it makes it hard to be open with them. And, I mean, I, this this is a prayerful discernment process, um, but it might be as vital to ministry as the talk you're working on or as the curriculum you're picking out or as the game you're playing. Like, if you don't have someone that knows 
knows you well and knows the struggle well, then you are going to be doomed to be the person that is just a talking head on Sunday or Wednesday because friends outside of it aren't going to fully understand it, and it's going to be so hard for you to connect and relate what's really going on with all that. Now, we need to pause here and say this. There is also probably a time that you might need to move on. There is probably also a time when you might say, uh, either for this particular place or this particular function or this particular area of ministry, I feel like my time is done, my energy is exhausted, I've given it what I could have given it, and I need to move on. And I think it's the context and the friendship of people that know you best that can help guide you in that. Right. You know, and this probably goes back to a conversation me and you have definitely had probably more off the air than on the air. Um, but what does, what does true like rest and relaxation look like for ministers, right? Like, I mean, here's this, this guy, Peter, Peter Wilson, that's going, Hey, I need to step away. Like I'm hurting and all those kind of things right now. Um, and, and I don't know what it looked like for him, but I mean, I know so many, you know, men and women that are just like running themselves ragged. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they get into this place of like a point of no return where the only other option is, Hey, I just got to get out. Uh, because we're, we're functioning in these like 70 hour work weeks. You know what I mean? And even when we're not on call, we're on call. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's like right, that's right. Friday night or Saturday night, like our phone is still on. And if that student were to call, like we pick it up, right. And we deal with it right there and all those kind of things. And we're probably not creating that space for ourselves that calls for longevity, right? That calls for a healthy ministry, not only for the people that attend, but for the people that are um, leading it. And, mm-hmm. and and our ministry will only be healthy for a short period of time if we're not concentrating on the health of the minister itself. And so when we're throwing all this stuff on, on our plate, we understand that we have this spotlight on us, which then has like all these um, just weight of expectation and what it should look like and what I should be doing and where I should be at and all of these things on top of our shoulder, it leads to this place of a guy like Peter Wilson who served for 14 years of finally just going, dude, enough is enough. I'm done to the point where today's my last day. Yeah. Right? Like he didn't just wake up on Friday and like all of a sudden like, oh, I think I'm done now. Like this has been growing to this place, sure. right? And so, like, I think for many ministers, we get in this place of we finally just we want to hang it up, right? Probably not because of something that just happened, but process after process of 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 making choices or feeling like we're un- under this microscope or in this fish bubble that we can't get out of. No, that's good, man. And it's true. Like, this is this is something that just because you have the right kind of people around you doesn't mean that you're going to do this thing forever. Um, the thing that I wanted to book in our conversation with, Chad, is is the, the revelation that you were unaware of <laughs> from earlier this week. Um, but, like, a day or two before it, it was a comment that a friend of mine made uh, on Facebook or Twitter um, because of some conference things that he was at. And, and the comment still resonates with me, especially in light of— um, the the things we've been talking about in this episode, 
And it's that Jesus didn't save you for a full-time ministry job. And I think it's really important for a lot of our friends that are serving in full-time ministry jobs to be reminded that your call, your transformation, your salvation does not hang in the balance because of your office or your cubicle or your youth calendar or your programming or your summer camp plans. Like those are the things that you do, but the faithfulness of who you are is not bound to the youth programming or the ministry stuff or the church job that you currently have. To be faithful with your whole life will probably look like multiple things over the course of your life. You may serve on staff. You may not serve on staff. You may teach in school. You may start a business. You may wait tables. You may raise kids. um, You may serve in half a dozen different churches. But whatever you're doing, there is a way to be faithful and growing in the ways in which you are following and discipling. And if you are doing those things, whatever the context of the job looks like will be in whatever space the public ministry may be that it is or isn't. But to fulfill that personal call, that vocational call to follow and be a disciple and to be about God's good work, man, that's going to take so many shapes and forms, but that is the thing that we're actually striving for, not just maintaining or growing a job from this to that. Man, I think that's good. I think I think if, if we got to this place of um, leading and ministering out of a place of um, love and um, gratefulness for our salvation— rather than an obligation mm-hmm. to a call. Um, I think that, that that lends itself to even some more health, right? And the way that we see it, the way that we understand, like we're, we're leading out of this place that Christ has radically transformed our life, and we have this wonderful, beautiful opportunity to then serve in light of that. And it's not just this, well, I've, I've got to do this thing right. because, you know, you know, I answered this call, like, yeah, it's this invitation to follow him, uh, but that's what it looks like, and it's going to look different at different times. Um, we've we've got to turn the eyes from what people expect us to do in our churches, in our ministries, from them to, to what God is really calling us to and finding our worth and our value in him and not the satisfaction of the people that we serve. Man, it is it's gotten twisted. It's gotten bent out of shape. I know that I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that there have been seasons and times in my life that I was much more concerned with. Um, are the people happy? Are they enjoying me as their youth minister or minister? Um, and I was probably much more concerned about that than I was actually faithfully serving God and what he had called me to do because we get that instant feedback from them. Right, we get the pat on the back. We get the "Hey, man, great talk." You know those kind yeah, of things yeah, yeah. that um, I'll, I'll just say it: our sinful flesh so adores. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I just pray that um, for any of our listeners out here, man, if you feel like you're under the microscope today, you feel like everybody's got their eyes on you. There's all these expectations that you have from your church, your pastor, your people. Be faithful. 
Mm. Uh, be faithful, not to them first and foremost, but be faithful to the work that God has put in front of you. And if um, man finds that pleasing around you, then may all the glory um, be to the Father. And so uh, be blessed, um, be encouraged this week, and we look forward to seeing you next week on After Nine. Thanks for listening to After Nine. Join the community and continue the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, or visit afternightministry.com to share your story.